Yes, Father, we thank you for your presence that's in this place today. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your love that's brought us here. And Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts, that you would open our ears, and that you would speak into the innermost part of who we are, that you would change us to be like you. I thank you for every life that is represented in this place today. Lord, that there's not one person here today who's unimportant. Every person is important before you. Father, have your way in this place. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's so nice to be here with you today. As our sister said earlier, I am a fitness professional. And so we've decided to have a boot camp here with you today. Yeah. Did you guys bring your fitness attire? Where's the gym bags? (laughs) Just kidding. You know, I think some of the best humor comes from things kids say. Wouldn't you agree? While checking out at a store, my son told the cashier, you have such pretty yellow teeth. I was like, oh, my gosh. Thank God she didn't appear to speak English well enough to have caught what he said. My eight-year-old asked me very loudly at a party we were hosting, Mom, where are those fake breasts you wear that stick on? I don't embarrass very easily, but I was turning kind of red at the time. Tammy was with her father and a rather old, wrinkled woman her dad knew. Tammy looked at her for a while and said, Why doesn't your skin fit your face? (laughs) There's there's nothing like the simple, raw, and innocent words of a child. They somehow unmask our facades and give us a healthy dose of reality. When we spend enough time in the presence of children, it teaches us to laugh at ourselves and not take ourselves so seriously. And that's a good thing sometimes. Wouldn't you agree? Watching a child at play unleashes a longing for the simplicity of life, a release from all the current pressures and responsibilities we find ourselves in. And most of all, I think that it creates within each of us a desire to be real. With children, What you see is what you get. They don't know how to be anyone else but who they are. Real. What does it mean exactly to be real? At first, to help us define and to develop this concept of being real, I want to turn our attention to the simplicity of an old children's story, the story of the skin horse. The skin horse had lived longer in the nursery than any of the others. He was so old that his brown coat was bald in patches and showed the seams underneath. And most of the hairs in his tail had been pulled out to string bead necklaces. He was wise, for he had seen a long succession of mechanical toys arrive to boast and swagger, and by and by break their mainstrings and pass away. He knew that they were only toys and would never turn into anything else. You see, for nursery magic is a very strange and wonderful thing, and only those playthings that are old and wise and experienced 
like the skin horse understand all about that. What is real? Asked the rabbit one day when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender right before Nana came to tidy up the room. Does it mean having a something that buzz inside you or a stick out handle? Real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. You see, when a child loves you for a long time, not just to play with, but really, really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you're real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't often happen to people who break easily or who have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you're real, most of your hair's been loved off, your eyes drop out, you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you're real, you can't be ugly except to the people who don't understand. Very powerful. A well-known Christian author once wrote that being real has to do with absolute honesty. No ulterior motives, no hidden meanings, no political games or verbal cover-up. Not having the need to manipulate others. There's just a genuineness to be transparently real. I think real is something that's almost beyond definition, isn't it? But we know it when we see it. We know when we've come into contact with someone who's authentically real because we feel built up, we feel encouraged, we feel better about ourselves when we're around them. Even if there's 10 other people in the room, they somehow make us feel special, encouraged, like we're the only one important and cared for. A person who's authentically real loves people and sees the value in others even when it's difficult to find. Instead of turning their nose up to the poor and the homeless and making comments of superiority and insensitivity, the person who's real is appreciative and thankful for what they have. They have a humble understanding that the tables can easily be turned overnight and that could be them living on the street. They are grateful, faithful, remain hopeful and comfortable in their own skin. They carry the mentality of nothing to prove and nothing to lose. They walk in a recognizable peace with themselves, with their creator, and with others. Have you ever been around someone who's authentically real? If you have, most likely something rose up on the inside of you and said, I want that for me. I want to be like that. I want to be real. I've entitled my message today, Becoming Real. You see, becoming denotes a journey, a process, one that I believe that we would continue to be on throughout our lifetime on this earth. That is, if we want it. 
You see, becoming real doesn't just automatically happen. We have to open our heart to it. We have to pursue it like fine gold. I fully believe that what we become in this life has a lot to do with how we respond in this life. Just as in our relationship with Jesus Christ, he doesn't force himself upon us. We have to open our hearts to him, to his mercy, and to his grace. Like anything that's really worth anything, in this life it costs us something and there's a high price to pay for being real the price to becoming real may cost us some relationships if we're truly going to walk in the freedom of being real we have to take a long hard look at who we're spending time with and the influences they have on our life Do they represent the kind of person we want to be? Do they motivate us, inspire us, challenge us, and encourage us to be everything that God has ordained for us to be? Or do they pull us down, laugh at our dreams, and live only for themselves? John Maxwell said that the person we become in five years will be determined by what we read and who we spend our time with. That can be a scary thought. The price for becoming real may cost us being accepted or being liked by certain people. Becoming real may require us to speak differently or to look differently or to walk differently. For the one who tends to be introverted and doesn't like to stand out in a crowd or the one who likes to be liked by everyone, that can be a very, very high price to pay. And I understand that one. The price of becoming real will cost us time. Time to self-reflect and evaluate. Learning to be honest with ourselves about who we really are and who we want to be. That may require turning off the TV at times or limiting our time on the internet or staying at home to read a good self-help book or spending time in prayer and meditation. Times of allowing the Holy Spirit to shine his light into our hearts and give us a fuller understanding of who we are, leading us into a time of healing for past hurts and deep wounds and restoration like only he can bring. I know personally what it is to pay a high price for becoming real and to begin the journey for becoming real. It was November of 2000 when I began my personal journey. At that time, I had no idea how painful, how bewildering, and yet how exciting and freeing the days ahead would be and the years ahead would be for me. I was a college instructor and a worship leader at a well-known ministry training institute in Dallas, Texas. I was also the director of Living Praise, an international traveling worship team. That, and I had just received uh, the green light, the go-ahead, to begin the formulation and production of our second CD, which would be a live worship recording. That was one of my dreams, one of the things I always wanted to do. In that season of my life, I had the honor of seeing a few of my songs published. 
I have spoken and sang before thousands of people all over the world. From a career standpoint, doors were beginning to open for me, and things were taking off. My band had just returned from our fall tour, which ended in Denver, where my wife and I were interviewed on a Christian television network. As I looked back on that interview, I saw myself once again only going through the motions, saying all the right things and acting as though our marriage was tight and we were in love. The reality was I was lonely inside. I was broken. I felt like I was dying and that I had nothing more to give. I felt like a fake and a phony. It wasn't like I was trying to live a double life or trying to deceive people. I genuinely loved the Lord, and I worked hard to try to keep my heart right. But I wasn't being real. And it was tearing me up on the inside. There were parts of me that I never felt like I could talk about. There were parts that I tried hard to hide and and to suppress. I, I had been taught that being gay was just a sexual thing. Something that could be resisted and overcome. Something that was evil and bad. I believed that if I prayed more, if I fasted more, if I married a woman, it would all go away. It didn't. It only grew more. I had been deceived. I had allowed myself to be deceived. I was starting to realize that being gay was more than just a sexual thing. I had been married for four years, and I could sexually function with a woman. I knew it was much deeper than that. You see, the innermost part of me, the deepest longing and yearning, was to be in a romantic, committed relationship with a man. I had no idea at the time how that could possibly ever happen for me I could sense somehow that I was at a crucial pivotal place in my life I had the opportunity of fulfilling my dreams that were opening before me I could feel them I could see them I almost could touch them but when visualizing them without the possibility of ever finding and allowing true love to come into my life They seem meaningless and not as important. Ministry was my life. All my friends were ministers. I didn't know anything else. Where was I to go? What was I to do? I made the decision to pay the price. I literally had to walk away from my entire life in order to find my life. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. When I left, I was told by an influential Christian leader that if I ever sang again or if I ever, if he had ever heard of me speaking, he would do whatever he could to stop me. It's taken me a long time to work through that pain and to make sure that my heart is in the right place. I've not spoken in a church or even sang 
since that time publicly. So today is very monumental for me. trying to make me cry, aren't you? (laughs) Thank you so much for that. I so appreciate the opportunity. Everyone here has been so gracious, so sweet and kind. I, I can see in your faces that many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Many of you have walked this walk. Yes, there's a high price. There's a very high price to pay for becoming real. But you know what? I believe there's a higher price to pay for not becoming real. Not becoming real means that we will never know the full depth of intimacy and love with another. What it's like to open up all the doors of our heart and let someone else in to truly know us and love us, all the good and all the bad, all the secret hidden stuff that we've never been able to share. Not becoming real means that we will never know the fullness of peace with ourself, with our creator, and with others. And not becoming real means that we will never know what it truly is to live, to break out of our fears, to throw off our self-made limitations that hold us back, and being all that God has ordained and created for us to be. You know, when I look out here, this congregation today, when I look out at each of you, I see amazing potential. Amazing potential in each one of you. Potential to follow your dreams. Potential to be in great relationships, to be a great parent, parents, to love, to serve to bring healing into the lives of others, the potential to be world changers. That is in each and every one of us. And I can stand here today and I can proclaim that that is the heart of God for every person. He desires the best for us. He wants the most for us. We're the ones that limit ourselves and hold ourselves back. We're the ones that allow words that have been spoken and hurts that have been done to hold us back. We're the ones that allow the fears in life to keep us captive. And let me tell you, I know, I know all about that. I grew up in a, in a home where my father was a psychopath. He was a sociopath in all the clinical definition of one. I survived a horrible, traumatic childhood. My, my therapist has actually said that what I went through as a child was the same thing that a child went through during the Holocaust. There wasn't one traumatic experience in my childhood. My childhood was traumatic. I never knew when I would step into that house, what I would find behind that door when I got home from school. I woke up in the middle of the night time after time hearing screams of my mother being beat, trying to help her 
feeling helpless and ending up in that situation myself. But let me tell you, we serve a merciful God. And his hand of mercy reached into my life. And it gave me the strength to rise up and say, that will not be me. That will not decide my life for me. I will not allow what has been done to me, what has been said over my life, what has been spoken into my heart to dictate what I will do and how I will live my life. Thank God for his mercy and for his grace. There's nothing too difficult for God. No matter where you are, no matter what you've been through, no matter how big the mountain seems before you, it's nothing for him. It's nothing for our creator. Let me give you quickly four steps that I've chosen to put into practice and, of course, have to continue to do so in my journey to becoming real. Number one, to forgive. It was one of the hardest things I had to do to forgive my stepfather. One of the hardest things I had to do to forgive my father, my natural father. By the age of three, I saw him twice try to murder my mother in front of me. Once with a gun, the second time with a butcher knife while I watched. I had to learn to forgive. Forgiveness, unforgiveness, is a poison in our heart. And it will hurt us more than anyone else. Let it go. Let it go. Number two, we have to process. We have to learn self-evaluation. And there's a price to pay for that. That means we have to learn to shut out the noisiness, all the busyness of life at times. Not that we have to become a hermit and shut ourselves off to life or become isolators. But we do have to take times where we pull ourselves away from the busyness of life. And we quiet ourselves and we're able to really get to know ourselves. Who we are, where we've been, where we want to go. And then allow the Lord to drop the courage in our heart to begin to step forward. Number three, moving forward. We have to grow we can't stay where we were. We can't allow things to hold us back. We can't allow experiences to keep us back where we were. Even though maybe we've grown and we've come so far, guess what? There's still a long ways to go. We're never going to stop growing in this life. That's the exciting thing about life. And our God is that we can continue to grow. We don't have to be the person we were yesterday. And guess what? We don't have to be the same person we are today. We can be different tomorrow. We can continue to grow. Life can be exciting every day when we wake up. We can have the attitude and the excitement that today is a new day. Tomorrow is, is, is tomorrow. Yesterday is yesterday. But I'm going to live today as fully as I can live today. And number four, to love. And love's not always about feeling love yeah we feel love when we first get into that relationship first meet someone that just blows our mind but what about 
six months down the road, a year down the road, two years down the road? What about 20 years down the road? Sometimes love has to be a choice certain days. Sometimes we don't feel love. But when we make a choice to do the right thing, our feelings always follow. Forgiving, processing, growing, and loving. You might say, Sean, do you know all there is about becoming real? Are you real yourself? You know, in all honesty, I, I probably know more about what it's not to be real. I've had a lot of practice at that one. But I can say this that it is genuinely the cry of my heart to be authentically real wherever I go, whomever I'm with, in whatever I'm doing. I know I've begun the journey and I have such a desire in my heart to complete the race. Will you join me? Will you join me in the journey? Maybe you sat there today and you say, you know, I'm 60 years old. I've never even begun the journey. It's all right. Today's a new day. Or maybe I've started the journey years before, but then I stopped and I allowed what people had to say take over me and, and, and I just care too much about what people think. Today's a new day. And God is a God of new beginnings. Let's open our heart to him and let's walk this journey to becoming real together. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.